Ladies, you know that vicious week before your period where you feel like you want to crawl out of your skin, you feel a little bit down or off, and those cravings when you feel like you can eat anything in sight? Well, there's a solution for that. Now it's easier to manage your PMS with estrogen control. You have to try Hormone Harmony. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. And it shows. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ALTERCALLMAFS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S for 15% off today. If you're like me and looking to cut back on alcohol this year, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. They've recreated the cocktails you know and love, like their Ginger Lime Mule and Grapefruit Paloma, which happen to be my favorites. You can enjoy the flavors and feelings of those cocktails without the booze. Zero proof, zero compromise. Listeners can get 15% of the Recess Mocktail Sampler at takearecess.com slash autocallmafs. You guys know I don't drink very much. So Recess is a great substitute while everybody else imbibes. It's a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients like uplifting guayusa and stress-balancing adaptogens. Whether you're relaxing after work or hanging out with friends, make Recess mocktails your drink between drinks or your forever mocktail. Get 15% off Recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash altercallmafs so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Hi, I'm Tane. Hi, and I'm Aid, and this is Alter Call, a Married at First Sight podcast on Patreon. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our Nigerian wedding bonus episode. Yay! This, <laughs> this is going to be a very unique podcast for us. I think we're going to have to talk about ourselves more than we ever have before. Yeah, that's good. Which is not, not bad. Yeah, it's always a good a good thing for people to get to know us more. I mean, they listen weekly, we hope. So, you know. <laughs> Thank you to Alicia for suggesting this. Yeah. Um, because it is something I think we will enjoy talking about. Because we're going to educate you guys who are not Nigerian and also get to rag on our own people. And <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing makes Nigerians happier than criticizing our fellow Nigerians. I know. And it's one of those things where it's like your family, you can talk about it, but anybody else does it, I'll fight you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a big part of the Tain and Aid origin story has to do with weddings. Um, I, for the first time I believe I met Tain was at my sister's wedding when I was a bridesmaid. No recollection. Four months later, my sister was in a wedding with Tane. They were both bridesmaids at a wedding that I was at. No recollection. <laughs> <laughs> There's no recollection because we never met. <laughs> like, surely we were in the same place, but we didn't, like, say hello. Hey, how are you? Then seven years later, through serendipity, we reconnected or connected for the first time. Yeah, we're not going to get into that because that was actually through, uh, because we're such dorks, a reality show for <laughs> I Now you said it, I feel like we have to get into it. So what had <laughs> happened was, at the time that we met, we 
we were in a reality TV Facebook group. We were not Facebook friends because we did not know each other. Um, <laughs> and I posted in the reality TV book group, I had a ticket to something, and I was like, hey, does anybody want to go with me? And then I'll let Tane take over the story from here. Well, I mean, it was just kind of odd because I was like, I know of her, but I don't know her. But should I just say I want to go? Is that creepy? But I'm friends with her brother-in-law and his sister. So I went to ask her brother-in-law, can I just say, I, it was just weird. Looking back at it, that was just doing the most. I should have just said, yes, I can go <laughs> directly to you. <laughs> and I knew of you also, but like no one had told me that you lived in the same area. Like we, we didn't know that. Honestly, I think people forget because people still thought I lived in the state I moved from. They just forgot that I wasn't there. <laughs> I had just moved, we should add. So that's part of, you know, the story. So then we went to this thing together and we've been friends ever since. Yep. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the main reason why we're mentioning this is the focus on the point where we were at two weddings and we just never met each other. <laughs> because Nigerian, a typical Nigerian wedding is huge. Um, the second wedding, the one where you were bridesmaid with my sister, I recall there were 700 to 900 people at that wedding. Um, correction, dear. It was a thousand. It wasn't really a thousand. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. It was mostly not like, uh, you know, our mutual friend had knew that many people, but with Nigerian weddings, it's the parents and their friends and people they haven't spoken to in 20 years, but they have to show off that my child is getting married and that is a status symbol. And Nigerians are very loosey-goosey. So for that particular wedding, I had been told the, the bride and groom did not bother with invitations. They were just like, <laughs> our parents, our community is large. We will just plan for a thousand people and see what we get. And I, that's basically what they got. <laughs> the yes. first wedding, which was my sister's wedding, had about mm, 350 people. And I would always say, yeah, it was a pretty medium to small wedding because... Yeah. The typical Nigerian wedding is very, very large. And as to the whole, like, invitations thing, um, my family lives in Houston. But, like, my parents have friends in Dallas. Both cities have a fairly large Nigerian population. And I can recall more than once, someone's, like, coming to town for a wedding. They're staying at my parents' house. I'm in town for the weekend. The auntie or the whatever will just be like, hey, do you want to go to the wedding with me? And you're like, sure. And you go to a wedding. Never met the bride. Never met the groom. <laughs> don't, don't, don't know who these people from Adam. But sure, I'll get dressed up and go with you. Yep. It is a social event. It's kind of like, it's actually in the Nigerian community, especially where there's a lot of Nigerians that say the Maryland's, the Houston, the Dallas, Texas in general. It could be a Saturday and I'm not exaggerating. It's like, oh, what weddings are there today? I'm bored. Like, there's no RSVP, there's no consideration for, oh, it's $100 a head. That means nothing. People will go buy new dresses just to attend because it's basically, they see it as an open party. That's basically what it is. And as long as you're Nigerian, I'm Nigerian, we're family. So that, that, that buys me a seat at the table. The other aspect of, I call it the diaspora, and the diaspora is worldwide. Um, and it includes, we're specifically talking about weddings, but I, you know, this happens at, 50th birthday parties, baby naming ceremonies, a little less, but, you know, any type of, like, big event. First off, there's the fake 
um, fake thanking is what I call it. At every event, someone gets up and they'll say, oh, thank you to everybody for coming. They will never, ever, ever skip over the part where they list where everybody's coming from because the further people came, the the more like status you feel. So they say, yes. thank you. For, and there are places that people are coming from, uh, from the US, from the UK, from Nigeria. Those three will always be there. Every now and then you get uh, Canada, uh, France, uh, somewhere else in Europe, Dubai, uh, Australia, wherever people are, the more countries that they can list, the happier the person celebrating the event is. Absolutely. And there is no wedding too far for a Nigerian to attend. You see what we mentioned earlier where we're saying like, oh, we're just dressing up and we're just going to go to a wedding. It just doesn't happen domestically, people. Like someone could literally be in a different country. It may be Dubai and there's a wedding. One, if they feel like it's a wedding that is about clout, if we haven't mentioned, like status is everything to the Nigerian community where they feel they could make either business connections, find a potential wife or husband. They will make that flight. They will buy all things head to toe, brand new, and purchase a ticket and fly to that wedding without an invitation. Not exaggerating, people. This is facts. <laughs> and add to that, like, my family travels for pleasure. But, you know, as with most people, traveling for pleasure is not something people have historically done. So I feel like there's a whole, like, most of, not most, but a good chunk of my parents' friends they do not travel to a location just for like tourist reasons. Yes. Their reasons for traveling are weddings and birthday parties. Yes. What other events am I missing that people travel for? Wedding anniversaries. Oh, there we go, anniversary. <laughs> mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, you're going to Colorado? Why are you going to Colorado? Oh, it's my, uh, my someone I know is turning 50. <laughs> yes. My, my, and then sometimes it's like my auntie's husband's daughter's husband-in-law that went to school with my uncle in 19... There's just like this long, complicated <laughs> tree. It is a huge cultural difference between Americans and Nigerians that I see is what counts as your family and like what lengths you will go to. So, for instance, like Tane mentioned that she's friends with my brother-in-law. <laughs> I will independently go and see my brother-in-law's family. And I don't think that's like a normal thing that Americans do. But to us, we're all, because, you know, we're related by marriage. Sure, you can come sleep on my couch for a few days and hang out. Yeah. yeah. Extended cousins. Like, cousin can go, it doesn't mean your first cousin. It means your second, third, fourth, fifth, related by marriage, that's still your cousin. And not related by blood at all. And that's still your cousin. Not related by blood at all. It could be your mom's best friend, your mom's family friend. That is your auntie. <laughs> that is your uncle. And we basically are cousins. So, yeah, there is no. And I think that's, you know, one of the positives of it. There's a strong family culture um, when it comes to Nigerians. Yeah, and people are very kind. I mean, yeah, people just do, I feel like people do a lot for each other. And it all evens out in the end because we're a community, a large community. Yeah. Okay. All right. So with that background of kind of how things work, we will move on to the actual weddings. I will say that I am Yoruba. Um, I will also uh, provide my Nigerian credentials. <laughs> I have not stepped foot in the country since I was three years old. 
So everything that I see is from like a Nigerian American perspective in that I've only experienced Nigerian culture in the UK and in America, not really in Nigeria. Tame? Well, I'm different. I've been here since I was a teenager. So I've had experience up until then. And I've gone back, you know, pretty frequently. Um, So I'm in between. I'm a hybrid. So I have experience from here, experience over there. And yeah, I'm just a mix. I call it the American. I, I truly, and I could be wrong about this, but when I look at like Nigerian culture in America, I feel like there's two things going on. When you're like Nigerian in Nigeria, yeah, you're going to do all the stuff. And I, you know, it's important to you. But I think when you're outside of like your native culture, you tend to even want to hold on to the traditions even more strongly than someone who is still in like the country. What do you think? I want to say that it's true because I have seen like when I was in college and I met a lot of people who were born and raised in America, but their family is Nigerian. They tend to want to know more and want to understand where it came from. So I think the word is maybe for people like me, I took it for granted because I grew up in it. I know what it is, but so I don't hold it as closely as they do. If that makes any sense. I understand. I think, I think that, and this is like true for every wedding. Like weddings are these like super emotional. Everybody gets very invested. But I've seen a lot of like Nigerian parents be like, but this is our tradition. And I wonder like if they have that need to be like, this is our tradition. We must do it this way. Because obviously you left Nigeria. Now you're in America. And you feel that every day your kids grow up not in your culture. And you yeah. feel like oh, it's slipping away. And different people have different reactions to it. It's not a universal thing. But I think some people get this, like, for this wedding, this, like, very important day, I must have everything exactly as it would have been when I was growing up. Like, you know, it must be this way because we're in America. Whereas I wonder if, like, Nigerians in Nigeria, do they, yeah, they do it because that's the culture. But do they have that same, like, emotional need for it? Do you know what I mean? Yes, I understand what you mean. I think there are two parts to it. I think there is some, um, there's truth actually to what you just said, because, you know, you leave, you're in a different country and you realize that no matter how much you do, you can instill some in it, but it's just not the same as if you were actually in their home country. So they try to, you know, hold on to that. And it's true because as it goes down to generations and as more countries aim to be westernized, the younger generation don't hold as much tradition and history as our parents do and the older generation do. So it is slipping away because I say this all the time because we're going to get into it, but for our traditional weddings, a lot of us in our generation don't know what to do, what to do. Like we're being told by the older generation, do this, wear this, you kneel here, you do this. But if you leave it to us on our own, we don't know what to do. So yes, it is slipping on some end. The other part of it is a lot of Nigerian culture is ruled by what will people say. They care (laughs) a lot (laughs) about what people say. They want to look good. They want to look better than they are. You don't air your your dirty laundry out. So it's more about outdoing the other person or the other family and just the bigger, the better. And like I said, marriage is is the biggest crowning glory you could ever have in your family. I don't care if you cure cancer or if you find a cure for COVID right now, 
if you are not married, you're a failure. <laughs> again, I'm not exaggerating. She's not exaggerating. <laughs> you, know, you could find, and I'm sure like other cultures, because I mean, they, they play on it. They play the stereotypes on TV, like, you know, the Jewish moms or the Italian moms. It's a skill. You could come home and tell your parents, oh man, I'm so tired. Well, why are you so tired? Is it because you're not bringing a husband home? Like somehow <laughs> the conversation will lead to you being unmarried. So the other part is when you finally find, you know, someone and you're getting married, that is the, the biggest honor you could give to your parents. So the, those two things, I think, are the two biggest factors um, when it comes to weddings. And then the other thing, I haven't actually gone to one, though it has happened like in like people I know, my parents, where a Nigerian is marrying a non-Nigerian, whether they be like white or like another ethnic minority in America. I've always wanted to go to one of those, but basically the way it's described to me is that my dad's like, we just take everything over. <laughs> He's like, um, we cannot help ourselves. That is very true. Uh, and that's the thing. Nigerians are very, what's the word I'm looking for, aid? Um, they're, they're a proud people. Like, they really believe their hype. They believe it. <laughs> you can't tell them nothing. Like, they are better. They are bolder. They're, there's nothing you can tell a Nigerian. So, in their mind, every space is theirs. So, I don't care if it's the, I mean, well, also still a, so Nigeria is a country that's full of, oh, suffers from the patriarchy. And more credence is given to the male side than the female side. So usually in weddings, you defer to the female side, actually. That's one of the one things, that culture is where you defer to and you do that culture. So even if the person you're marrying is non-Nigerian and a woman, the, then at that point, the Nigerian-ness takes precedence. <laughs> the culture and AIDS dad is completely correct we take it over and it becomes a Nigerian show and it's also because I have actually been to more like American style weddings than I have Nigerian weddings and the thing about a Nigerian wedding is there's so many places where you can insert you have to do this mm -hmm. that and a typical American wedding it's not like there's an equivalent so it's really easy to say oh we'll just do it the Nigerian way because there's no equivalent <laughs> Yeah. Equivalent. yeah, absolutely true. And there's just so many steps to getting there. I don't know. Should we just get into the steps? Yes, I actually, I'm going to start with, um, okay, so this is America in 2021. So when people meet and they date and they go through like a normal American dating thing, which is honestly what most people do, no matter if they're, you know, Nigerian, not Nigerian, whatever. It's at the point that you get engaged where the, the, the switch comes in, I guess, if you would call it. So in the Yoruba tradition, and I can only speak to Yoruba because that's what I am, you would start with the, the official introduction. So maybe the parents have met in different situations and different reasons, but to make things officially official, you need to do an introduction. You mentioned engagement, but what's also typical in the Nigerian community is there might not be an engagement. You meet two people who are dating and they've already set a wedding date and they're telling you their plans and you're like, oh, did you get engaged? No, but our family's already talking about it. That counts as an engagement, but it's not a formal American engagement like I've asked you to get married. 
But I know some people who never went through that process. An engagement ring just kind of popped up somewhere down the line. But (laughs) (laughs) it was a conversation and plan. Because the thing is, and this is why Nigerians don't like introducing people to their parents. Because once you introduce someone, just know that you've set your wedding date. And that can that is like a cultural clash when people are like, oh my my, you know you you've met a, a parents have met a boyfriend and then parents are talking about ex boyfriends. In Nigerian culture, they only meet a boyfriend if you guys are ready to get married. Yeah, don't make that mistake. <laughs> so that's why, like, if you're bringing someone home, then that means you must be really interested because that's all your mom or your dad are gonna talk about is like so. How long? Like, they don't believe in long dating. You can't date for years and say we're feeling... It's like, okay, what are we waiting for? Like, you should know by now. (laughs) And I've seen exceptions to that rule. Everything's blurred now, I feel like, because it's just the way it is. Like, I know someone whose parents met a boyfriend, like, five years before they ever... Before they got married. But, you know, it's the way... if, If parents had it their way, that's the way it would happen. Yeah. I mean, I think we should caveat, like, it's not every single situation. We're just talking about, I think, the general stereotypes, usually. Like, if you see it, like, there's some movies that make fun of it. And as a segue, like, a a recommendation on Netflix that would give a true example of weddings in Nigeria is The Wedding Party, part one and part two. Everything in there is very accurate. Like, it was so scary. It was my cousin's experience, too, that they wondered if it was based on them. But, yeah, just... General stereotypes is what we're talking about. The <laughs> true stereotypes. Okay. So, Tane, tell me, like, I'm Yoruba. You're not Yoruba. Yeah. So, I'm Igbo. But um, there are differences here and there. But I think the general, the general idea is pretty much the same. I think for Igbos, yes, we do do the introduction, but there's a step before that I don't think a lot of other tribes do. But with the Igbo tribe, there's something called the investigation. So (laughs) after, this might be, actually, I might be jumping ahead because it could be after the introduction, introduction when you make your intentions known, or this happens when you just kind of tell your family members casually before they give their blessing that you can go ahead. So the investigation is well to, you know, everyone is from a certain village or a certain place. They go to where you're from and then they investigate your background and make sure there are no thieves in there. There's no, um, they check for like your health and check if there's any mental illness. They check if you're from a single parent home. And again, it's all old fashioned things, but again, tradition, it's always like a blessing and a curse at the same time. But that's something that is very um popular and practiced in the Igbo tribe and, and then the introduction part i will say is like the parents of the bride and the parents of the groom meeting each other specifically in yoruba it's the parents of the groom have to go to the parents of the bride's house and introduce yes. themselves the kids don't even need to be present for this <laughs> yes they do not have to be present for that so it's making your intentions known and getting the blessings like yes you may like on the guy side this is who i want to this is mine and then it's declared and then on the bride side it's like we accept you don't go empty-handed don't make that mistake you're going with things it could be alcohol it could be food but you know you just don't go empty-handed it could be cash in an envelope you just don't go empty-handed and then they accept and say yes we deem you worthy and you may proceed with the festivities 
And because we are in diaspora and everybody's everywhere, some of these functions might be assigned to like a local family member. So like even across the US, if you have like an aunt or an uncle or someone who's like a good friend of your parents who live in the same city where the bride's parents live, like they might go for you yeah. um, and do the introduction just to like complete the step. Yes, as a representative, because I mean, Nigeria is so far away that it's such a, it's, it's an important step, but it's a minor step, but not enough to fly all the way. And then for some people, their parents are back home. So if you have close family friends and things like that, they represent, like Aid said. So this originally came up because Tate and I were discussing being bridesmaids. So we're going to go through this in the order of all the work that it takes to be a bridesmaid, starting with wedding shower. First off, there is no part of the Nigerian tradition that has anything to do with wedding shower. This is an American thing that we have adopted and now made ourselves do work that we didn't used to have to do. Well, there's also an opportunity to get free stuff. (laughs) That too. And another thing is like, UK, they don't do wedding showers or baby showers either. Like, and then in the past, I don't know, 10, 20 years, they see Americans doing them and now they're doing them. But they've always had, well, I guess that's bachelorette, the hen night. Yeah, they had that, yeah. but wedding shower. No, you, I remember when I was, okay, I lived in the UK from, I was born there and I lived there till I was nine years old. When we went to a family wedding, you would just bring the gift to the wedding. You wouldn't, there wouldn't be a shower. Wait, so is it a UK thing where they call it a wedding shower or, because I know it's a bridal shower. Yeah, bridal shower, wedding shower, but that's an okay. American thing. Oh, I didn't know that. I just found that out now. Today, years old. Are your, do your UK people, do they usually have a, a bridal shower? Um, I don't know. I've just never been to one. I had no idea. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm just finding out right now that it's it wasn't a UK thing. It's an American thing that has been exported to the UK and then the Nigerians in America and the UK are doing them. (sighs) Very interesting. Well, I mean, let's talk about the stress of being a a a bridesmaid and bridesmaids in a Nigerian wedding and throwing a shower. So ordinarily, I'm not even sure what the, the culture here is your friends or your family threw you a shower, right? Miss Manners says that only your friends should do it. Miss Manners has a whole thing that your family member should never host a shower, but not even Americans stick to that rule. Plenty of times a family member will host a shower. Okay. So with Nigerians, more than likely you have two bridal showers. Why? Because the parents want to come to one, and when the parents are coming, and because they have to show out, all the aunties have to come too. So they bring all of them in, and then it becomes this tame thing because... God forbid you're getting married and you're an adult woman. They still think that you're 13 year old. So you can only talk about chaste things. You can't really be free. And they come out there to dispense. Um, how do I put it? Um, ancient advice that is not really helpful. And um, uh, and also, a lot of older Nigerians tend to be religious. So we get a lot of Bible verses and a lot of preaching and a lot of, you know, put God first, which isn't necessarily bad, but I'm just saying, I'm trying to paint the picture of what the bridal shower with the older relatives and the parents entails. You've been to one, right? Oh, yes. I, well, no. Have I been to one with the aunties? Maybe, maybe not. I will say, I don't think I have. I will say... 
um, for one of the weddings that I was involved in, there were, I want to say, three or four showers. There was the auntie shower, the actual friend shower, the church shower. Maybe it was just three. Yeah, it was just three. I can't. <laughs> I, I, can't I cannot do all of them. But I didn't go positive- all three, though, but there were three showers. The only positive side about the showers with the older relatives is like, you know, they'll put money forward. <laughs> so that helps, you know, and then they do that. But then when you host the second shower, um, usually in a Nigerian wedding, it's just the bridesmaids who contribute to us this. And therein comes the trouble because depending on how many bridesmaids there are, not everybody's going to put forth the same effort. And it's just stressful. And you just try to figure it out. And at the whole, the same time, you're trying not to involve the bride in it. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Do you have anything <laughs> to add to that? I just, I, I just, yeah, I don't have anything to add. Just, you know, what I said before, like, this is something we put upon ourselves. This is not, this is America invading our weddings. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so I think in that case, everyone can relate to that. It's the same typical thing. There's nothing unique about it for Nigerians. Like, I think everyone goes through the same experience in terms of, like, the brighter shower. Correct. Okay, next up, another feature, American, Western, but we do it, too, because it's fun. Bachelorette party! But, yes, as a bridesmaid, another thing you have to plan, pay for, yes. Yeah, and in the last few years, it's become traveling to a destination, paying for hotel rooms, flight tickets, getting custom made, you know, whatever it is that the bride decides, you might have to get like, I think I saw one where they had to get custom made like um, bathing suits. So it says bridesmaids or friends of the bride or, you know, something like that. So it's become more expensive now. Uh, Yes, and this tracks with, like, general wedding culture in America where, you know, Etsy shopping has gone out of control and everybody just wants matching, 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 money, 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 travel, travel, travel. So we've been sucked into it, too. Yeah. But, yeah, there's not much, you know, to say about this. I guess I should talk about, uh, like, uh, for the weddings in Nigeria, I don't think there's a lot of... I I think everything still tracks. Like, we've been talking about... Nigerian weddings in America, but in Nigeria itself, I think it tracks. It's not necessarily part of the culture, but again, Nigeria has become so westernized in the last couple of years that they do everything that's been done here. So there is, and I think it's probably worse over there, just trying to rally people. And in that, in their case, they don't only do bridesmaids. And I should backtrack. I did mention that Nigerians are very particular about what people think, as in people pick for aesthetic reasons. I have not seen this with my own two eyes, but I believe you. Oh, and I the, do. And the other aspect I would say is like picking bridesmaids is like family pressure. So I was once a bridesmaid in a met in a wedding because another family member told the bride that I would be in her wedding. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like she was like, this person is important to our family. And so you know, his his daughter needs to be in the wedding. I was very young. I was a teenager. But yes. And that has also happened, like, yeah. You know, someone's just like, some someone, mother of the bride, mother of the groom, someone is like, you will insert someone in the wedding. 
because of our family connection, not because you're like very close to the bride or groom. <laughs> Does that happen to you? No, I was actually thinking, I don't know if it still holds currently. I've never experienced that or seen that. Maybe, I mean, both of these things happened like a solid 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was the thing back then, but I don't know. If yeah, absolutely. Now. I think for those, I think if, especially for the younger back then, there used to be people who rallied so your kid could be like the flower girl or the little bride. It was a thing. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> My kid is cuter than yours. So, yeah. But I guess we can move to, I think, the traditional wedding, which is actually, like, the one that has all the culture. Now, Nigeria yes. has so many tribes. Like, ordinarily, we have, like, over 250 languages, which just represents the whole myriad of, you know, different tribes. So everyone has their own culture. We have, like, the Calabar culture, in which, in that culture, it used to be, I don't think that it's practiced now in modern times but they used to have a fattening room because the sign of you being like thick or plump or whatever shows like you're ready like you can have kids and you just show the sign of like opulence and wealth like well wealth in life not necessarily money and that showed you were ready to be a good wife so you'd literally be in a room where all the women in the from the village are trying to fatten you up to get you ready or one tradition um where they observe that so we do have in absentia traditional wedding. I should mention that the traditional wedding is what is recognized by quote unquote, the elders. Like, I don't care if you have the biggest Royal wedding in the land and you don't do the traditional wedding. They don't recognize you as married <laughs> in their eyes. And I know this because I remember when I moved, um, a family friend of ours, they went back home to go do their traditional. They had three kids. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> like, they had to make it official. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, or, yeah. We're also, we always have this, like, because we're so spread out, mm -hmm. things just kind of have to be done. So, if the kids have come over here, but most of the family is back in Nigeria, they might have a traditional wedding ceremony where neither the bride or groom are present. Like, they'll just have like pictures. pictures and then the parents and the cousins and the aunties and everybody will do the whole thing and have a whole party where the people yeah. aren't even there yeah. and this stuff was happening before zoom so no one's being zoomed in you literally no, just have yeah. a picture yeah. and you people love it of course it's free booze and free booze you get <laughs> a text a you're married now and you weren't even there <laughs> And I've seen that in absentia should happen because like people, financial reasons, like we don't have money to fly home just to do this or more, actually more, more likely like immigration reasons, like the bride or the groom can't leave the U.S. to go back to Nigeria or they can't have their parents come here. So they're just like, we're just going to do this in absentia. Yeah. So do you want to talk about the Yoruba traditional wedding? Sure. Um, I am no expert. I have only been to one and I was only present for half of it <laughs> because um, there's a lot that happens like before the bride or groom show up. Because once again, these weddings are emerging of families. So parents are very key to the whole thing. And the kids are almost, I call them the kids, are almost there just like props, <laughs> even though they're <laughs> the ones getting married. Um, so... There's also like an industry, like Nigerian weddings are an industry. 
Yes. Um, there are certain roles that need to be fulfilled, and sometimes it's it's best to just find to pay someone um, to do these things because once, like Tane said, you know, us kids don't know how to do yeah. these. Mm-hmm. So for a Yoruba traditional, there is something called the alaga alaga iduro, yes. which is like a woman who is like in charge of the ceremony. So she's like, but she's not just like a priest who's gonna like stand up there and just say like words. She's just got a lot more work to do than that. So in the Yoruba traditional, it kind of starts with the reading of the letter. And like, it's this beautiful like letter, like for the wedding that I went to, like the letter had been commissioned by someone in Nigeria who brought it over for this traditional wedding in America. And they like read this whole thing. It it tells a story of like, my son was out, you know, uh, hunting or something. And he saw your daughter and she was so beautiful. So he came to me and he said, I want her to be my wife, even though they met in college and dated for five years. (laughs) Yeah. It's basically writing fan fiction (laughs) at a wedding. Um. So after the reading of the letter, I'm going to have to pull up actually some research I did on this because like I said, I don't know. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so clothes. They're going to be where everybody's going to be wearing traditional Nigerian clothes. For a Yoruba wedding, you're going to have a gele, which is the head tie, the buba, which is like a top, and then iro, which is like a large piece of material that's tied on the waist. Always very colorful. Um, always very coordinated. Yeah. Uh, the bride and groom are going to be coordinated. The um, bridesmaids and usually like you have bridesmaids and you have like more friends. They all have dresses made for this event because God forbid. <laughs> um, I say God forbid because it doesn't matter if it's a party. Nigerians get custom made clothes for every party. Yes. And they act like it would kill them to rewear it. They just wear it to church every now and then or something. Because what else are you going to do with an outfit that you had made for a wedding? I will tell you personally, I never rewear anything. But I also do that for, like, my bridesmaids dresses. Even though I get them with the intention of, oh, I want a rewearable one. I just never wear them again. The clothes are beautiful, though. I will say that. Yes, very. Especially in modern times. Like, we've evolved in terms of the style. Like, um, A just said... Back in the day, it was just the Eero and the Booba, which is like a top and a bottom. But now they have all these styles. We now have like the fashion week. So everyone's just pushing everything out the box. So they're gorgeous. And I said it wrong. It's the Alaga Ijoko, not the, the Alaga Iduro. Someone's different. Um, and once again, you know, maybe back in the village, there would just be someone who would. Now that is a professional service. You go find somebody and you pay them to do this. Um... There's a lot of money involved. Always. Nigerians don't play with money, guys. And in this traditional wedding ceremony, the money is coming from the groom's side. Because the central purpose of this ceremony is for the groom's family to show the bride's family, we want your daughter in our family, and we have the financial means to take care of her. Absolutely. So, basically, the the groom's family comes in, they have money, they have to give it to the, they they give the money to the alaga, not directly to the family, and then she passes it along. Um, And then the groom comes in, I might be saying, like, if at any point I'm getting this wrong, please tell me, because I was not present for this part. And I will say, I was very bored by this ceremony, and I wasn't really paying attention to the parts that I was at. Um, 
an important part of this is also um, kneeling. So the groom has to go in front of the bride's parents. In my culture, generally, there's a lot of kneeling in day-to-day -day life. Like, <laughs> if you're uh, with your people. If I see someone who's older than me in my family, I'm supposed to do, like, a little curtsy. I don't. Um, <laughs> but I'm supposed to. But for a wedding, they take it to a whole new level. The groom will eventually, he will kneel. He should probably start with, like, a little kneel. And then the bride's parents will tell him to get on the floor. They don't want a little kneel. They want you flat out on the floor, laid out on the floor. And all of your groomsmen will do the same thing. They will be behind you. <laughs> and then the parents will make a great, great show. <laughs> After they've told you to, to lie down, they will make a great, great show of telling you to get up. <laughs> They'll give you hugs and they'll say, yes, of course, you can have our daughter. Um, <laughs> and then at, at that point, when they've accepted it, they shunt him off to a chair. And uh, then the bride will be called out. And she'll, there'll be, there's a drummer for this and like dancing and singing. And she will be danced out with her bridesmaids and friends in matching outfits. Um, it's really beautiful. It's actually a very beautiful ceremony. Um, and then there's this whole like, she will go and the groom's family will pray for her and the bride's family will pray for her. And there'll be a large table with a whole lot of stuff on it. Yams, uh, uh, d d just stuff. And thanks to the Christian influence on our culture now, there will also be a Bible. So at a certain point during the ceremony, the bride will be ushered over to this table full of stuff. And her job is to go find the most important thing on the table that will help her in her marriage that would be the Bible. That's the right answer. <laughs> and then also, if, despite the fact that these people should probably be already engaged at this point, her engagement ring will be with the Bible. <laughs> uh, so yeah, then there's a cake cutting ceremony. The, the money is collected. I mean, I'm trying to remember what happened, but I really was very boring. Um, there's also an introduction part of the ceremony that I forgot about. And I remember someone telling me, like, you introduce, like, both sides. Like, ostensibly, introduction should be, like, here's your name, here's our connection to the family, here's why they're important to our family. But because we're Nigerians, apparently there's a part where, like, you would say things like, this is so-and-so, they went to school here, they have this degree and that degree and the other degree, and on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, their professional accomplishments. Yeah, you're selling them up. <laughs> uh, Nigerians are a weird lot, I swear. <laughs> um, I said there's a professional industry around this. For, like, visuals for this, I would recommend checking out the Instagram, I haven't checked in a while, of Shegun Gele. Yeah. You can actually just Google him. It's S-E-G-U-N-G-E-L-E. He is a professional, like, gelatire makeup artist. He's always around for, like, like, I would say bigger Nigerian weddings. Right around, yeah? Yeah, yeah, He's very well known in Houston. I think he even had a feature on, I want to say CNN. Yes, many years ago. He yes, had a feature. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, um, yeah. You know, he was at, um, if you guys have heard of uh, Lovey, Ajayi Jones, he did Lovey's wedding. Yeah, Lovey's also, if you go to Lovey's Instagram and go look for her wedding stuff, that's also a good source for visuals of like a traditional Yoruba wedding. Yeah. Yeah, he's at the, all the big um, 
Nigerian weddings. So, yeah, and Nigerians are not afraid to like you know how we just said he's based in Houston. Nigerians will fly you from anywhere just to have the best. Yeah. Um, that's all I really have to say about traditionals. I'm sure I, if there are any Nigerians listening, please leave me alone. <laughs> I know I left some important stuff out, like. Like I said, I've been to one and I wasn't paying that much attention. So I'll speak for my tribe, which is the Igbo tribe, and I'll give you a backstory on traditional weddings. Listen, I have only been to one and that was my brother's. I purposely did not go to any traditional weddings because in my mind, they're going to be boring. So I just didn't do it. And everyone keeps saying, you never? No, I never. But also because in general, I'm the kind of person who thinks weddings are not incredibly exciting so I just thought the traditional would be worse as we mentioned earlier I'm also one of those people who didn't appreciate their culture per se because when I was younger I always said I did not want to have a traditional wedding I just thought it was a waste of time I didn't understand what it was about so I never really paid uh, much attention to it the only reason as I got older I was like oh that would be nice to have is because it just the outfits are pretty the outfits, the outfits got are really, really pretty. pretty. <laughs> yes. The outfits got really pretty. And then I've never seen, like, most of the Nigerian brides, they are so gorgeous in their tradition. They look way better than even their white wedding. Then I'm like, you know what? I want to feel like a princess for one day. So I put some interest into it. And maybe there is some little nostalgia about, you know, everything dying off. But actually, no, I don't feel anything. I, I'm supposed to, but it is what it is. But... In our Igbo, I'll, I'll just touch on the, like, the highlights. Something that's really big is the bride price. Like I said, the patriarchy is strong in our country. So we the bride price is basically an agreed-upon price for the bride among the fathers. Now, I know there's a lot of talk about it, and everyone's been saying, like, how can they do that? But again, it's culture. Like People believe in their culture and their tradition it's how it's always been doesn't necessarily mean it's right. And it doesn't really mean anything like they're buying them first. Well, it does, but it's not like they're, they're just doing it to fulfill all obligation. So depending on where you're from, there's certain States that, um, that automatically make you from the Igbo tribe and they all have different bride prices. There's a list. So most places already have like a standard list of what it is that you need to bring for one, our currency is Naira. So for one area, I think it's like one Naira that, you know, you just have to pay and that's it. For another area, there's a list that in- involve anything from tubers of yam, bags of rice. You might have to bring a cow. You have to bring lots of alcohol. And then sometimes the people from the village just take liberties and ask for like the oddest things, sugar or like toothpaste or something just random. This is mostly people who are taking the opportunity to get things that they otherwise might not be able to afford for themselves. But you have to indulge because similar to what Aid said, you're trying to prove that you're financially able to take care of, you know, the bride that you're getting. So all this happens, you know, at the traditional wedding. And then the most important thing that happens and that certifies you officially as married is we have this wine called palm wine. It's like white and alcoholics like fermented. And they pour it into a glass, well, kind of like a horn kind of thing. And you're supposed to find your husband and feed it to him. Well, give it to him to drink on your knees. 
And you have to make a whole show about it. The whole thing is like they get different men to distract you just to show, like it's like a metaphor for, oh, there may be temptations, but at the end I choose my husband. It could be someone dancing in front of you and you're walking around and you make a show of, oh no, that's the wrong person. Oh no, he's technically supposed, your husband is supposed to be hidden because you're wearing like a, a veil. But then you find your husband and then you kneel and then you give it to them. And then once he drinks from it, you are officially married. And the one thing I missed out is like for the evil culture, something that's so important is the cola nut. It's this really bitter cola that, you know, is very, is very, is very much revered. So you serve it to the elders, you serve it to the men. If I'm not mistaken, again, any Nigerians listening, feel free to correct. But I think women are not allowed to serve it. So only men can, or only men can break it. One or the other, I think, is what it is. But that's the highlight of it, is basically the serving of the palm wine is, you know, what's important. And then the exchange of money at the bright price and making sure you can take care of them. I'm pretty sure, see, I will be very free that I do not know a lot about my own culture. Because <laughs> the coconut thing is not just for Ebos. It's a Yoruba thing, too. Um, I think so. Uh, I want to say it's very heavy on the Ebo. Okay. Very, very, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. All right. So I guess what are the, like, as an attendee for a traditional wedding, like we said, it's pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of, like, speechifying, pontificating, showing, which is true for any Nigerian event, I guess. But I don't want to speak negatively about it because the joy that it gives the parents is truly unmatched. Like... Nigerian parents doing a traditional wedding, especially, I feel like, outside of Nigeria, they are so happy. They have, like, the songs that they sang at their traditionals, at the traditionals they went to when they were young, and to do it at their kid's wedding, like, nothing makes them happier. But as, like, an outsider looking in, like, it's not my wedding, it's just, I don't know, it just seems very long. <laughs> yeah, it does. And then to add that, usually... The traditional wedding is a compromise. So because as people, as our generation is beginning to have agency and not wanting their parents to make a circus out of their white wedding, they allow the parents to do whatever they want for the traditional wedding. So they take that opportunity and throw their entire beings because like that's the only negotiation tool that you have with the parents where you're like, no, I don't want 5,000 people at my wedding. I want 200. And they're like, no, we can't. Then we're like, oh, you can't have the 5,000 at the traditional wedding, which like Aid mentioned earlier, you don't even have to be at. <laughs> so, and um, then yeah. um, I would say traditionals are usually like, what they'll do is they'll do the traditional on like Friday night before the wedding or Friday afternoon before a Saturday wedding. Um, I know people have done it like a week or two weeks beforehand. Travel is always a consideration. So like if you have a lot of, family members who are like very close who have to come from out of town I feel like you're more likely to try to stick it all in the one weekend yeah um but I've seen you know people do it like a week or two weeks beforehand especially when it's that compromise thing where people who are not invited to the white wedding are going to be invited to the traditional so I've been to one where the traditional was bigger than the actual white wedding yeah I think travel is really the biggest thing and convenience because like for a lot of Nigerians who have family in Nigeria, they try to do it 
like it could be like months before the actual white wedding. So they do the white wedding in America, but then do the actual traditional in Nigeria. And then sometimes it could just be in December because a lot of people go home for Christmas. But then the white wedding is maybe like six months later or something like that. So for the most part, when it's a day before or two weeks before, it's usually um, a travel consideration for their guests. So they don't have to go twice. Right. So anything more on traditionals? Um, I wanted to say the traditional is actually the one thing where the bride's father is responsible for in the Igbo tribe. They pay for that. I think in Yoruba tribe, the groom's family is responsible from e- for everything after traditional. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So on to the white wedding. Yeah. So- the white wedding is the part that will most um, looks most like a Western wedding, to be honest. You know, like we call it the white wedding for two reasons: white because white dress bride. Second, because it's a tradition that was brought to us from white people. It's not native to our culture. Yeah. Yeah. There's really nothing to add. Everything is the same in terms of... Yeah, I guess. The only thing that might be different is not necessarily because of culture. It's just because of religion. Because there are some churches that require you to do a pregnancy test. What? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I want to say... Okay, I'm not going to name any names. But yeah, but you have to do a pregnancy test to show that you're not pregnant. For some churches, you have to. And I maybe it is a Nigerian thing because some of it are Nigerian churches. So um, some you have to show them your wedding dress to make sure it's not scandaloso. Scandalous means your cleavage, too clingy, could tempt another man. But yeah, so... <laughs> So yeah, we should well see. We should talk about difference between a white wedding that happens at a Nigerian church versus a white wedding that happens in American church. It's very <laughs> simple. The white wedding in Nigeria takes five hours. <laughs> oh God! Yes. Oh my God! Yes. Um, I remember a Nigerian wedding that I went to that was done by white church was done the length of a white church. In fact, it took um like forty five minutes for beginning to end, maybe an hour, which is most Americans consider that pretty long for a wedding. Um, I have been to American weddings that literally took 15 minutes. I was in shock. I was like, what? Um, Catholic weddings tend to be long because no matter the back ethnic background, because Catholics do a full service, Nigerian weddings tend to do the same thing. They do a full service. There's communion. There's a sermon. There's a the whole nine yards. But can I just say, though, I'm Catholic, and even on a regular day, mass is just an hour. So the only thing that takes long is, I don't know what, maybe Thanksgiving if they do that. But other than that, it's exactly the same thing. Nothing yeah, changes. Yeah, but American weddings are th- like literally 15 to 30 minutes. They're not the length of a church service. Non-Catholic American weddings. Oh, okay. That's what I, I was comparing it to. <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. But yeah. Nah, that's true. I kind of wanted to be like, that's it. But that's like the other thing, like, I grew, I grew up going to a certain type of thing and then, you know, made a lot of friends who weren't and then went to their stuff and I was just very confused. Like, I went to an American wedding that had 60 people and I'm still, it was a solid 10 years ago. I'm still not over it. I was like, this is it? This is all the people you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then people have like 150 person American wedding and they're like, oh, my wedding was so big. I'm like, no, it wasn't. 
I should anyway. say though, you know how Aid said that um she went to a wedding where it was like 45 minutes or it wasn't long. I can guarantee you for a Nigerian wedding, the church was probably empty. Why you may ask? First of all, Nigerians are late to everything. Everything. You tell them two o'clock, they're not gonna show up till five. And I might be even being generous. So they if you find, oh, I found like in a lot of weddings that I've been to. And this is pretty terrible, but a lot of them don't really count the service at church as part of the wedding. They're just here for the reception. The wedding that Tane and I went to where she was a bridesmaid and I was an attendee, the actual church wedding, there could not have been more than 200 people there. It was the reception that had a thousand people. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people don't make it to church. You have people like they have not plants, but they have people there and they're texting. Okay. What's going on now? Can I come now? Are they serving food yet? <laughs> We're terrible people. But yeah, the church service is just not, you know, regarded. They're just like, you tell them the ch- church starts at one. They're like, oh, okay. So I'll be there at the reception at five. Call me when you get there. Let me know how it is. <laughs> My favorite thing was, once you open people's eyes, though, you can't take it back. So I went to a wedding. It was a Nigerian wedding, but they the church was a white church. And the ceremony took 45 minutes. A cousin of mine was getting ready to get married like in a couple years after that. And he said, oh, oh, I want my wedding to be like this. Like it had never occurred to him that you could get this wedding done in 45 minutes. <laughs> a few years later, I go to his wedding. It is 45 minutes because he's like, oh, after I went to, you know, that other wedding, I was like, I don't have to be here for three hours if I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story, which was an exception. I was a bridesmaid for a friend for a wedding in Nigeria. And I don't know what happened, but we were running late. We were just running late. I tell you that by the time we got to the church, the priest already started without her. He's like, I don't have time for this. Like, if you're not going to make it by the vows part, I'm just going to keep going. So he had started. I was pretty impressed secretly. I'm like, in Nigeria too? Nice. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's, that's, pretty much what it is for the a lot of white weddings also even at the church especially if it's a nigerian church they don't start on time this is also partly what keeps the hamster wheel going where people come late or people don't show up because they assume like oh they're not gonna start on time and 90 percent of the time they're right for clothing while the bride and groom will be in like traditional western dress typically the parents are going to be in traditional nigerian clothes even for the church part which, honestly, traditional Nigerian clothes are better than any mother of the bride dress that I have seen, to be honest. Sorry, people. <laughs> so it looks really nice. It, it photographs very beautifully. Yeah. All right. So now on to the reception. Good God. This is where the real work as a bridesmaid. You just feel like, I have been through the hamster wheel, and now I have to keep on going. <laughs> I've yeah. been through months of preparation. I've thrown a shower, a bachelorette party. I woke up at 6 a.m. to get my hair and makeup done. I have paid my tailor, who is probably the most unreliable person on earth, to sew a custom dress for me. And now I have to deal with this wedding reception. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Was it, I was trying to remember, was it Wendy on Real Housewives of Potomac where has sip and see for her baby and it was so late? That Robin was the first person... (laughs) Yes. Yes. I was just trying to remember because I was remembering listening to another podcast and the lady was asking for insight. Like why, what, how many hours, like how is this possible? And I'm like, oh, you're going to learn today. 
<laughs> three but hours is not unusual people yes it is not so yeah and i come from a family where we like to be on time so i have been to many an event where we show we are robin we show <laughs> up we just stare at each other for a couple of hours eventually people start trickling in the celebrant comes in a solid four hours oh, oh. it's terrible <laughs> so okay so back to the reception now it takes a while because pictures are still going on in the church that's a whole other event because there's a lot of family members and a lot of people who deem themselves important to have their own separate kind of pictures so you spend a lot of time waiting for everyone to finally get it together a lot of nigerian weddings um in spite of a wedding planner tend to be disorganized would you agree with that a yes (laughs) like no matter all the good intentions no matter how much you try unfortunately it just always comes up disorganized and that's just because everyone sees it as a party and structure or program which is also something that is always present is just a suggestion so (laughs) they go by that and as a bridesmaid let's talk about it from the bridesmaid's perspective there's just a lot of work to do there's like assigning of duties like you might be the one that has to babysit the there's something called a a high table a high table is where the important people sit (laughs) that's basically what it's called and everything is a ceremony so like first off there's a program and part of the program will be calling people to the high table Mm -hmm. so someone stands the mc the mc is one of the most important jobs at a wedding reception the MC needs to be someone who is close enough to the family that they know who everybody is, so they know who's important, who's not important, but also can't be close enough that they actually made it into the wedding party. So it's a very, like, complicated job. Yeah. And now events seem to have, like, a male MC and a female MC. Oh, I haven't seen that before. Oh, I've seen that. Um, so they will split duties. But the MC gets up there, and it's, like, a program. Um, item number seven is like a joke. Item number seven is the food. So you, <laughs> in every program, item number seven, is it item number seven? Oh, I don't know about this. So. Yeah, yeah. Item number seven is always the food. So, so like the MC will make many, many references to like, we got to get this done until we, you know, get to item number seven. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so the MC will get up and be like, how do they announce the high table usually, Payne? Um, you just have people, he just be like, now we're going to call these very important people to come up to the high table. And then usually when they call their names, instead of them to just go take a seat, they want to say something. So imagine trying to call one person one, one by one. And each person wants to say something that takes forever. But I will say recently people have been scrapping the high table and they have a sweetheart's table where it's just the bride and the groom because it's purely just a waste of time because also for Nigerian weddings, you have, I don't know if it's Nigerians or if it's just Catholics. You have to have someone that's called a sponsor. That's a Catholic spon- thing. <laughs> huh? That's a Catholic thing. That's a Catholic thing. Yep. All right. So uh, you have a sponsor. So they're also there. And then sometimes they make the godparents be special. To- and I'm just like, uh, this is a lot going on. And then if they're Igbo, like we mentioned earlier, you have to do the whole ceremony for the breaking of the kola nut. And then even with that, it has to be the eldest person in the room or the eldest person that has to do 
it's a whole thing. Then you have to pass down the kola nut. Usually the bridesmaids, because basically you're literally a maid in a Nigerian wedding. The, the maid is emphasized in bridesmaids when you're in a Nigerian wedding. You are a maid. You have to serve people food. You have to make sure they're okay. You have to go get stuff. You have to change money. You have to, yeah. So, so let's get into like, as a bridesmaid, first off, depending on the extravagance of the wedding, like for instance, the one that you were bridesmaid in, I remember that the bridesmaids and the groomsmen, as they were coming in, they had arranged an individual song for each set. And they had like, how many bridesmaids? Eight, ten bridesmaids? And <laughs> so, so that meant as, a, as an attendee, you're just sitting there like, and now, and they announced each bride and groomsman by name, yeah. custom song. It took forever. Yeah, you have to dance in. You just don't walk in. But I mean, I think that's pretty normal. Like even in regular weddings, right? In American weddings. In American weddings, first off, the the bridesmaids and groomsmen don't typically dance in the bride and groom the way we do. Um, I feel like I've seen them and, dancing, like with African American weddings. Do they I've, do? I've I seen them dancing. The difference might be they don't change the songs. Yes, that's a thing. Even in the Nigerian weddings I've been to, they don't. We we, we all manage to share one song. <laughs> oh songs. no, we had different songs. We picked. I know. Oh, you said we shared one song. Well, as in all eight to ten of us could come in on the same song. We didn't need to have a different song. Oh, for okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, is the, 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 that's our payment. We go through all of that and what we get is we can pick a song to dance to. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there is the dancing and then that is how the couple dances in. And then oh, the, Nigerian- oh, don't forget the parents have to be danced in too. <laughs> that is so true and then that's a whole production because they have like the groom's family or the mother then the bride's family want to do theirs like I said watch wedding party you see how they danced in that was true to life <laughs> <laughs> and then they're trying to outdo each other because you have to remember oh we didn't talk about the Asher B yes we need to talk about the Asher B <laughs> okay so it's literally well it's your language Oh, okay. So Asherah B, I don't know what it stands for. Family clothes, I think it was, is what the literal translation might be. Yeah. For what, okay, for for instance, this is not exclusive to people in the bridal party or the family of the bride or groom. There's Asherah B for like, generally speaking, as a family, if you go to an event, you're going to be wearing matching clothes. And it's not that all the clothes will match. It's that you've all picked one fabric, gone to the tailor. She sewed something for each person in the family. And then you show up to the event in your actual AB. And for- that's a Yoruba thing, by the way. People <laughs> don't match. Oh, we love our matching. And yeah. then, I mean, actual AB has gone way, way too far. So, for instance, <laughs> my mom has a group. My parents have a group of friends for every single event. <laughs> This, like, group of, like, 10, 12 couples, they get matching Asher B for events. So, like, they're going to someone's wedding. They will all turn out matching. And they take it to a new level when it's, like, an event for someone in their circle. They will all out matching. So you're looking at, like, 10, 12 people just coming to the event matching. For a (laughs) wedding thing, though, you have your bridesmaids. They wear matching. They're going to get a second dress sewn for the reception, because everybody's changing clothes in the middle of the reception, in the bridal party. Parents, bride and groom, everybody's changing clothes. Bridesmaids, everybody. And then, um, oh, and then you have an extra group of girls. 
in addition to your bridesmaids, there's usually more girls who are either all wearing the same matching or they're matching the bridesmaids. And mostly they just dance you in a lot. It's like they weren't they weren't good enough friends to be a bridesmaid, but you can make them Ashley B girl and they'll, you know, get to wear a matching dress. Yeah. I think so Ashley B generally means the family cloth. So it, it's now evolved into a recognition kind of thing because like Aid said, besides your family and like her like her mom has a group of friends. Our generation is also embracing it where you have some people have different colors, but different sets of friends. But that's also um, very messy because then you find out what tier of friendship you're on, because it could be (laughs) a group of friends. Maybe the top tier wear all gold and they have a certain material and then maybe it's finished and the leftovers go to the second tier of the friends. So you can literally identify them by the material that they're wearing. (laughs) But here's the thing about Ashabi, no repeats. The next yes. event is a whole new outfit. Yes, it is a whole new outfit. And you pay for it, by the way. It's not like they gave it to you like, oh, represent us. No, you are paying for it. And they they hassle you for it. <laughs> and then you have to go find your tailor. Because all they have to, the, the bride will give you your six yards of fabric. Then you have to go find a tailor to sew it in the design that you want. So, yeah, every time you get a wedding, a Nigerian wedding invitation, you're kind of stressed out. I'm trying not to make you negative because it's not, I think we're used to it, but saying it out loud now, I'm just like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite is when I go into, my closet isn't even that bad because I haven't been involved in that many weddings, but I go to like my aunt's closet or I go to my mom's closet and you just see stacks and stacks and stacks of clothes and you're like, it just looks so wasteful. Yeah, and it's not I, like you could give it to Goodwill because you know this is our cultural clothes. What are they gonna do with it? Um, I was about to say that's what I do. I just put it to Goodwill. Someone can repurpose it. I generally don't wear um gales, the head ties, because they give me a headache. But I used to collect them, and I'll just grab them all and just throw it in Goodwill. Gales are beautiful, and especially when you can get like a good gale tire. Um, who can the gale fabric? Like old school gala fabric is kind of looser, but the modern gala fabric that everybody uses now is like, it's more like paper than inconsistency than fabric. So there's a lot of like folding and pressing and tying and pins to make just very elaborate um, gales. Yeah, you go through all that and then Americans call it hats. Ah, it, it, it drives me crazy. I'm like, it's not a hat. Uh, <laughs> so the fact we've touched a little bit on the Asher B, but just to round it up, so when you're a bridesmaid, even though you're dancing with your bridesmaids' clothes, at some point where the couples they do go change into traditional outfits. Now it depends how many how many they change to depends on the couple, but usually it could go as much as four. Because if they're from different tribes, the bride could decide the bride and groom could decide to change to the groom's tribe then they change again to the bride's tribe and then they change again because now i think this is the new one where um brides are getting custom designs where it's not necessarily traditional it's just like a fancy formal gown like something you wear to an award show so there's a lot of changing involved that sounds very stressful but for the bridesmaids it could be no not it could be you do change to traditional wear where the material is actual traditional that you have to pay for, you have to sew for, and then we do the dance thing all over again to dance the couple in 
in their traditional. And this is part of the negotiations because weddings where the bride and the groom are from different tribes, yes, maybe they will change clothes more than once. But I have seen a bride and groom be like, mommy and daddy, we're not doing this. We will change one time. I know, which is why I started by like, it depends on the couple. Like how many times it could change, but it could be as much as As four four times. So I had that. I was actually I was in a wedding once where the bride and groom didn't change. <laughs> they used all their negotiating for the traditional for the white wedding. They didn't make the bridesmaids change, and they did not change themselves. Yeah, which I appreciated <laughs> very much. Because <laughs> I was a bridesmaid. The part of Nigerian weddings that everyone universally seems to love is the spraying of the money. I think it's not so strange anymore. I think like a lot of people were always like earlier, a couple of years ago, like, why are they spraying money? But I think it's more well known that we do that now. It's basically, honestly, a chance for the couples to make some of the money back. That they spent on this wedding. So any good Nigerian wedding comes with someone having good, a good amount of plastic bags because you're going to need it to collect the money when it goes to the floor. And who picks up the money? You guessed it. The, bride. the bridesmaids. <laughs> so you're bending down. Yeah. So you got to have your Megan the Stallion knees going because you will be kneeling to pick it up. And then I've been in one. Actually, this is an anniversary. I was the money changer. So a lot of people don't have ones or I mean, the nice people go to the bank and get ones. Because yes, before the wedding, one. you go to the bank, you get a, a thousand, a couple thousand in one dollar bills. Yeah. So that you're prepared when you get because no one who has one dollar bills. So, yeah. so that when you get to the wedding and people know, you know, everybody goes to the ATM before they go to a party. Um, and we do this at weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, everything. Yeah. But there's some people who don't. So you have a money changer, you sit there and then they come to you because they have twenties and they say, I want to change this. I want to change hundred dollars. I want to change this. And that was my job was basically to change money for people. It's one of my favorite jobs to do in an event where I don't know anybody because it just keeps you busy and you don't have to be out there picking up money off the floor. You can just sit at the table, count, count, count. Um, you usually have paper clips. That's the other thing. You need to bring paper clips um, so that you can do stacks of 10. It makes it much easier to just be like, someone gives you a 50, yeah. here's five stacks of 10. Yeah. The worst part of everything is whoever has to count. If Sometimes they're kind enough not to have you do it, but whoever has to count the money collected the entire night, like arrange the bills so they so they look orderly, that is the worst to me. It's just <laughs> arranging and stacking them up. So that's part of it, but it's pretty nice because everyone, like you basically, it's like dancing for your money. That's the fun part when it's like dance, 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 and everyone's just dancing and people are just spraying money. Like we said, Nigerians never forget to, you know, put a good showing out. If you're in Nigeria... And you're spraying in dollars, then you have, okay, I've arrived. Now, if you spray in pounds, like, oh, you have really arrived. So, so people who come from overseas, this is where they do their flex to show like, yes, I am that rich uncle over here with the money, even though I might be owing credit cards back home. My favorite thing is that in the UK, (laughs) they spray with dollars because there is no one pound note. They start at five pound notes. So someone goes and gets American dollar bills to, to spray with at no UK to, events. No one wants to fling no one pound coins. <laughs> Here you go, be right between the eyes. So, but it's pretty cool. Again, it's a way for them to make their money back. And 
you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want it to seem like, you know, we're just ragging on it because ultimately I tell you this, it's fun. We're just speaking about it from the bridesmaid um, point of view. By the time all your duties are done and you get to just relax and just have fun. Like even as a wedding, as a wedding guest, like Nigerian weddings are like the funnest thing. And Nigerians don't skimp on weddings. The alcohol is just flowing and the food is flowing. We have a lot of Nigerian food. Like Nigerian weddings have to find um, reception halls that accept Nigerian food because it doesn't matter that we can make the food at home. There is nothing like jokingly we call it party rice. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, it makes me sad because obviously in the panini we have not <laughs> had an opportunity. At least I haven't to go to any Nigerian weddings for a while now. So, but yeah, yeah they're so fun as a guest and even as a bridesmaid. I've always had a good time at Nigerian wedding. Yeah, it's a lot of work even as a bridesmaid, but having been to both weddings, I mean, yes, you know, American weddings are nice. And especially if you're really close to the bride or the groom, you enjoy yourself, but they're not as fun as Nigerian weddings. Yeah. I've always said, I think the only other culture that rivals us is the Indian weddings. I have always wanted to go to an Indian wedding. I went to a Jewish wedding and that, that was, that was pretty legit. That was pretty legit. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything else. Like, I'm pretty sure we forgot some stuff. We're pretty sure that we might have messed some stuff up. Keep it to yourself and <laughs> enjoy what we gave. <laughs> and feel free, if anything we said raises any questions, go ahead and put it in the comments of the bonus episode, and we'll see if we can do some research or find you an answer. Yes, definitely. We will. We like when you guys interact with us, and we really, really appreciate you being patrons. And once again, thank you, Alicia, for this idea. Appreciate you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.